This one just has to be done. I confess, by the end of tonight, I will have binders of women. This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for downloading the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based monthly reading and performance series about sex, sensuality, and the steamy side of life. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear by Holly Lorca was recorded on October 18th, 2012. Holly will be performing a piece she calls The Truth About Cookies. Here is Holly. The loss of your innocence always comes as a surprise, I think. I doubt anyone wakes up and thinks, today's the day that something tender and beautiful, something swathed in pixie sticks sugar and copper penny shine will be ripped away from me like a scab. There is no warning. For me, it happened on a fall night in 1993, and I had no hints of the events to come, unless we count the glaring stare of too many Zimas and, and songs from the new Winona Judd album as the ample omens they obviously were. In 1993, I came out as a lesbian. Up to that point, I'd had sex with numerous men, and it was always okay. A bump and grind, 100-meter dash, where the only thing I was concerned with was crossing the orgasm finish line as fast as possible. The sex was always at least cordial, if not exactly hot. There was too much body hair for me, and the kissing was too rough, but generally it was nice, despite the messiness. (laughs) I'm sorry, but any would-be lesbian who's ever walked to the bathroom with cum running down her leg and never really been displeased with sex has had it pretty good. (laughs) I guess I chose decent partners, even if they were men. But I didn't really want to have sex with men. As I've shared with a couple of you out there before, what I really wanted was to have sex with girls who weren't hairy and had enormous boobs. fantasized it about nearly for my entire life and in 1993 everything conspired to give me the courage to finally do something about it so at the age of 23 I dumped my fiance cut off my legendary perm (laughs) traded in my Mexican senora dress and sauntered on over to Homoville I remember sitting at my desk and writing in my journal after I came out about how wonderful my life was now going to be, how women are so lovely and sweet and kind. 
how I was sure that from now on my life would smell like fresh baked cookies. <laughs> and that tiny bluebirds would bring in my robe in the mornings. <laughs> While the indigo girls serenaded me. <laughs> it would be like an all girl Eden, but with Bud Light long necks growing on the trees instead of apples. There would be no more cum running down my leg ever. When I became a regular at the gay bar, the bartenders there gave me a nickname. They called me the Ivory Girl. No shit. I was shy and polite. I looked young and always showed up, all scrubbed and shiny, with my shirt tucked in and buttoned up to the collar, because I believed, even if you have to be a gay, you can be a nicely dressed and clean gay. <laughs> my nights at the bar were generally uneventful. I was nervous, and all I could muster were brief conversations with women that I didn't want to know. Mostly, I sat at the bar, drank a few beers, and kept to myself. It seemed being gay was kind of like being at the airport. <laughs> Except with a lot less sex. <laughs> and then, I met Jessica. She was young like me, and cute, and sweet, and polite, and she bought me a drink and let me kiss her in the parking lot that night. We, both so very shy, barely touching each other except at the mouth, which was enough to melt us down to the concrete under our feet. Sweet Jesus. That kiss was better than any orgasm I'd ever had with a man. It was better than any fantasy I'd had about Stephanie Powers. It was when I discovered that my mouth was connected to my pants in ways I had never before imagined. Sweet Jesus. The next time I saw her, we went to her place and had sex. Actually, I dropped her off at her place and drove away to park around the corner and wait because she lived in an apartment attached to her parents' house and they had no idea she looked like girls and I didn't look like a handsome young man yet. So I had to wait in my car for an hour, then sneak under their front window around to the back of the house to rap softly on her glass-paned French door with a trembling hand. She let me in, and we went to her room and had sex. I remember that we were listening to George Michael <laughs> and trying to be quiet, and it was all very sweet yet very hot and maybe a little clumsy, but hey, I was still learning. And who really knows what to do with a vagina the first time they meet one? <laughs> we went slowly, open hands and mouths and a few fingers on top of and around and gently into each other while watching, then closing our eyes and stifling what her parents had no business hearing. We spent such a long time together, exploring, sweating, 
moving against each other, listening and singing to father figure. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the irony's not lost on me. Um, it lasted years or glorious weeks or perfectly raven hours. It was like watching a sunset that started at noon. I left in the whisper of 4 a.m. to crawl back under the front window and around the corner to my car and drove away feeling light and buzzy buzzy on what had happened. Amazing lesbian sex. Oh, it was even better than I dreamed in my head for the last 23 years. We saw each other for a few months. She was a pro tennis player and was out of town much of the time. She'd send me affectionate letters from England or Australia, or if she was in town, we'd meet at the bar and then we'd go back to her house and I'd park around the corner again to crawl under the front window. <laughs> the classic romance story. I simply adored her. But her sponsors began to question her sexuality and back in 1993, Nike didn't want to sponsor a lesbian. Even Martina Navratilova was trying to look pretty. So Jessica had to cut off anything that might look suspicious, which included our relationship. It hurt, but I certainly couldn't blame her. Playing tennis was her dream. Mine was to have more amazing sex with women. <laughs> Maybe even fall in love. I still believed in the bluebirds and the cookies, and although I was sad, I believed I'd get to have those things with someone soon. So I went back to the gay bar to find them. because everyone knows the gay bar is where cookies and bluebirds live. <laughs> it was a Sunday night and there weren't many people there. I was heartbroken and blue. The beer was flat and I remember thinking, I should just go home. And then someone sat down beside me. She was older than me, easily in her 40s to my 20s. She was attractive, well-dressed, and looked like she also believed in being a clean gay. <laughs> she said hello and introduced herself. Her name was Carolyn, a nice name. I knew immediately that she was going to try to pick me up. I could smell it like I could smell her New West perfume. <laughs> and in my state, I was interested in letting anything improve my situation. I normally drank beer, but she bought me a Zima. We chatted, and when we got to a lull in what would have been normal conversation, she upped the game by lifting an eyebrow to mention how magnificent she was. She owned a business, blah, blah, here's a Zima. <laughs> she had a nice house in downtown, blah, blah, Zima. <laughs> she drove a fast car, blah, blah, Zima. I was getting quite drunk. Or more specifically, she was getting me quite drunk on purpose. It was the implied arrangement here. And at some point, I think it was when we heard Winona for the second time, I started to feel uncomfortable. That little red warning light, the one that we all have, started its dull glow in the back of my head. But it was up in my head, so very far away from my pants, where I desperately wanted to feel the hot buzz of homo sex once again. So when she offered to take me in her amazing car to her amazing house, I slurred, sure. 
I don't remember what kind of car she drove. I bet it was red. I do remember her house. It was mid-century modern and clean, and all of its expensive surfaces were very shiny. She poured me a drink, took me by the hand, and led me back into her bedroom. It was quiet except for the low hum of an enormous saltwater aquarium. I thought she might put some music on, but instead she ushered me directly to her bed. There was immediate kissing, which led to groping and humping. The red warning light was glowing pretty brightly by now, and I wasn't enjoying myself as much as I thought I would, thanks to 23 Zimas, a glass of whiskey, and a complete lapse in judgment. But I forged on, bolstered by the promise of cookies and bluebirds, <laughs> of camping and poetry and women's music festivals, and all of the things that were going to make sleeping with women so much lovelier than sleeping with men. I took her clothes off, and I was laying on top of her, doing all the things I thought I should do, going slowly as I had with Jessica. Minutes in, while I was still navigating her skin with a gentle mouth, before I even moved my hand anywhere near her end zone, she gave me a stern command. She said, Put two fingers inside of me. <laughs> Initially, it stopped me, this command. Though I was a fairly new lesbian and hadn't gotten that far into the instruction manual yet, <laughs> I understood that two fingers is a fairly standard move, and I'd have gotten there soon enough. I guess she was just so obviously turned on by my awesome initial moves <laughs> that she could not wait. So though there was nothing sweet about how this was happening, I put two fingers where I reckoned they should go into her wetness and started drunken sex. I began to get seriously turned on because that's what happens when I find my way into a vagina. I was breathing heavily, sweating, watching her through my dilated pupils, feeling that wonderful heavy beating warmth in my own pants. I was getting into it, thoroughly enjoying myself when she spoke again. Put three fingers inside of me. For the record, two was all I'd ever done. But Carolyn was older. Maybe when you get older, you need three. So I put my best three into her and continued sex like a champ. And though my rookie pitching arm was getting tired, my pants were still on fire with delight. She spoke a third time. Put another finger into me, she commanded. Um, wait now. Even while drunk, I knew that made four. <laughs> and four is too many. Four is a hand. Four is something you have a conversation about first, isn't it? Four was a chapter I hadn't expected to find in the manual. 
Four is when my pants went cold and the red light in my head went on so brightly that it made my scalp burn. I was being commanded sternly to do something that made me uncomfortable, something I didn't really want to do, something that didn't seem lovely at all. But I scrunched my four fingers tightly together and four is what I did because I agreed to all this, didn't I? I let her buy me drinks. I came here in her car and I got into her bed. And now I had my hand inside of her and I hoped it would all be over soon because I was getting pretty creeped out. <laughs> and also because my arm was about to fall off. <laughs> and then she said it. your fist into me she wasn't looking at me when she said it in fact I don't think she looked at me at all that night it's like I wasn't even there we could have been strangers standing at a bus stop where I was incidentally shaking hands with her vagina I wasn't I was an arm, a hand, a fist that she was commanding, that she somehow earned the right to command. My red light was now setting the room on fire with alarm. Save me, George Michael, it screamed. <laughs> I wanted to take my hand and run away to Jessica's house, to my mom's house, to kindergarten to somewhere safe and nice and sweet. But I didn't run. I was a deer caught in the headlights, a deer that was bawling its right hand into the smallest fist imaginable. And when I squeezed my five fingers into the stretching, sloppy warmth of her, surprised that they fit, I felt myself leave my body a little bit. I looked at me and what I was doing, reluctantly punching this stranger in the vagina. <laughs> While she wouldn't even look at me. And I realized that the cookies and the bluebirds were just some stupid shit I'd made up in my head about sleeping with women. I'd fucked much nicer men than this woman. There may be more of these women out there. I should be more careful, and I should never go home with someone I don't know in her car, even if it's very fast and probably red. When she finished, when my arm gave out, when there was nothing more to put inside of her, I pushed myself off and put my shoes on while she got dressed. We walked outside and got into her car, and then she looked directly at me, and she said one last thing. She said, do you want to go to Whataburger? Did I want to go to Whataburger? 
after that, after she gobbled up every bit of my tender innocence with her enormous vagina, <laughs> I thought about what had happened that night, about what I'd lost, and about the knowledge I'd gained. And then for the second time that night, I slurred, sure. Because if I couldn't have cookies, at least I could have a goddamn Whataburger. Thank you. Holly Lorca is a writer, storyteller, and stand-up comic in Austin. She helps to produce the Austin Story Slam and is best known for telling inappropriate jokes in the movie Cancer Pants. Her hobbies include growing large tomatoes, looking for discarded items in her front yard, and going to work as an ICU nurse. There's nothing she won't tell you about. Just ask her. More at hollylorca.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast at miaontop.com, Sadie Smythe of That's What Sadie Said.com, Julie Gillis of juliegillis.com, and Rosie Q of sayprettybird.blogspot.com. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin at innuendostudios.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at bedpostconfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter, where we tweet audience confessions. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess that I would get myself off behind the wheel while delivering pizzas for Pizza Hut. <laughs> then, I'd eat some breadsticks. <laughs> I confess, I am crap at fantasizing. My mind wanders and I end up masturbating to my grocery list. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I confess, ever since my friend told me she thought coconut water tastes like semen, I can't stop drinking it. <laughs> I've been trying to get my daughter to drink that shit, but I don't think that's going to work. <laughs>